following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, we thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Pray that ours would be too. We thank you that your your desire is to bless and care and provide and protect. And Lord, that you use your body to do these things as we yield our hands and resources to you. Let us not be frugal. Let us not be hoarders. Let us not build bigger barns. But let us be generous and ready to give and to serve and to lay down our life and to do for others what, they, what we wish others would do for us in similar circumstances. Lord, let us, um, let us run to the opportunities that you open our hearts and minds and eyes to um, and just be ready to do whatever it is that you want us to do in those moments, uh, to serve as we've been served, to love as we've been loved, to give as we've been given, to forgive as we've been forgiven. Let this be true of us, and we thank you. Please uh, open our hearts and minds to your word today. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you haven't already turned there, I'd ask that you turn with me to Ephesians 6. Uh, We're going to look specifically at verses 10 to 20. Uh, We're going to spend four weeks uh, here. Um, uh, If you've been with us for any length of time, you know that the Lord often leads us in the summer to do a sermon series uh, in the summer, and it's not something that we aim to do or try to figure out what. He's always so faithful to give it to us. And uh, if uh, many of you were servants during VBS, you know that we, uh, we, we did the whole armor of God during that time. And, uh, and the Lord made it so clear that this was what he intended for us to do during this season. I, I really feel like the church is in desperate need of, being, of putting on the armor of God, is being equipped with what we have been given in order to stand uh, in the victory that's already been established. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you know, I, I, I want to ask a few questions as we get started. Um, are you fighting the good fight of faith? Do you, do you find, you know, I find in this COVID season, um, that there, there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of people trying to save their life instead of losing their life for the gospel and for, for Christ. Did, can I remind the church this morning, beloved that your life's already been saved, that the call is to lose our lives for the glory of God because your life can't be lost. It's been found. You've been found. Right? So what we need to understand is this. He says, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you will find it. And so we're called to stay in the fight. So I asked this morning, are you fleeing or are you fighting? Are you running? Are you hiding? Or are you standing? You know, David, you know, he walked upon a, and we're going to talk about this next week, but he walked into a scene in 1 Samuel 17. And like the army, the army of the, I mean, this, this army had been victorious, had, had, you know, Saul, you know, he's a head above everyone. Now this guy's a warrior, like, And for 40 days, they are terrified because of this giant that continues to taunt them and tell them how insignificant and poor. I mean, he was just the voice of the enemy, right? And they listened to the voice of the enemy. Can I ask you a question this morning? 
Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of truth? Are you letting that truth seed your heart with courage and confidence, not in you, but in him? David stood because he knew his God. He knew his power. He knew his potential. He knew his faithfulness. He knew his resume. And he, he, would, he wouldn't let anybody talk poorly about him. And he was willing to be his defender. He was willing to be his instrument. We'll talk more about that next week. But like, I, I want to, I've titled this series Fighting Words. What are your fighting words? Well, you ask anybody on the street, you ask the average person that, and they're going to go, well, them fighting words. You know, like whatever, you're going to think about words of conflict, words that are used to, to, you know, to kind of defend yourself or defend, in most cases, we're quick to defend even more so our loved ones or others. Um, but what ideally are our fighting words? And, you know, Jesus models everything for us. So let's, let's dive in here, and I'm going to do a little bit of a backdrop here as we enter into this text and this series for the month. I, I just, I want to go back to Luke 4. Now, you can find uh, the temptation of Christ in both Luke 4 and Matthew 4, right? And they both start the whole chapter off, and, and we see this, this, uh, this moment where Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit after his baptism, it says, immediately into the desert where he was tempted. And please understand, if you really dig into this, he was tempted for the, for the entire time. It wasn't like, you know, he was waiting to the end, even though that was an opportune time because Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. And now it says, the text tells us he's hungry. That's an opportune time. The enemy looks for weak moments, susceptibility, right? I mean, he, he's looking to strike when, when we're vulnerable. And, uh, and Jesus here, like, uh, it's going to be, I'll, I'll dive in. Here we go. Uh, follow with me on the screen because we're going we're gonna to end up in Ephesians chapter 6. But, but here in Luke chapter 4, verses 1-2, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Now, oftentimes, we find that confusing. Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into temptation? You ever ask that question? Because think about what we pray, what we're even told to pray. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. When you pray, pray this. This is what he says. In Matthew 6, 13, he says, and lead us, what? Into temptation, but deliver us from Evil or the evil one, depending on your translation. So like, like, I mean, clearly this is something we need to pray on a regular basis. You know, like, please lead us not into temptation to deliver us from evil. Why would he lead Jesus? Why? Because Jesus was going to be an example to us. He was going to taste everything we'd taste and he was going to show us how to be victorious in it. Right? To fulfill all prophecy. He didn't need to be baptized. John was kind of struggling. You need to baptize me. I don't need to be baptized. He says to fulfill all prophecy. Like this, this, he's our high priest. He's tasted it all. He, he ran through the valley of the shadow of death to show us that God's wrath, I mean, God's rod and staff are sufficient. That if he's with us, we can go through anything. Right? But then he models for us how to fight the good fight of faith. So let's look at this. In Luke chapter 4, continuing verses 3 and 4, it says, And he ate nothing during those days. And when, when they were ended, the end of 40 days, he was hungry. Right? Opportune time. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. 
You know, like, I love, Amir pointed this out at Men's Breakfast yesterday. Like, he didn't say, if you are the beloved son of God. He wouldn't, he wouldn't reinforce that truth. Right? You with me? Right? But he's questioning. Do you think Jesus was going, oh, I wonder if I am. He, you know, Jesus, Jesus knew who he was. We see that in John 13. If you read John 13, very beginning of the passage, it says, he knew who he was, he knew where he was going, and he knew where he came from. Like Jesus knew that he was the son of God. He knew, he knew that he was his father. He knew, he knew his father, right? And, and so, but, but what's the enemy trying to do here? Create doubt, confusion, right? He's trying to deceive, to undermine. Truth is where, he's, is where he sows his lies as the father of lies. And so here we see the, the enemy trying to get at the core of his identity which would undermine his mission because it's, well, who's he trying to please here? The father. So he says to him, he says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. In other words, use your God-given power and resources for personal benefit rather than trust him. See, his word is, is, is more necessary and beneficial than food. Do you believe that? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God? Like, like, like how, how essential is food to life? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. How essential is water to life? Even more, right? He says, I'm the living water. Right? If you drink from this well, you'll speak. And he was forecasting for the Holy Spirit here. He says, you'll never thirst again. He says, my body is food. Right? We're the body of Christ. Put that together. Right? But what we have to understand here is Jesus is not going to submit to the enemy's deception, desire in this, in this moment. So, so how does he model how to face? Let me ask you a question. You ever, you ever, you ever, face, you ever face the self-talk that goes on in your head? That doesn't come from truth? Like, oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? If you really were a Christian, like, do we realize that the enemy has two allies? Right? He has two allies. He has your sinful nature, and then he has the world, the paradigm, the patterns of the world. So we, he has an ally from within and without. But Jesus here models for us very clearly how we fight the good fight of faith. And this is what he says. And Jesus said to him, it is, where does he point to? The sword of the spirit. He points to the word of God. He he points to the truth. What does truth do for us based on John 8, 31, 32? Sets you free from what? The lies. The lies, that is the root to all evils is, is the deception that money, right? Loving money, right? Will, will solve our problems and give us a better life. I mean, and that's just one of many, right? But he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Guys, can I tell you this morning? Those are our fighting words. Jesus shows us, models for us our fighting words. Look, you're going to be faced with, look, did, did Jesus ever have an intimate relationship ever um, p- 
pose as, use their, their words as, uh, you know, as, as the enemy? You remember Peter? No, 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 I'm not letting you go to Jerusalem. <laughs> That's where they want to take your life. He's like, they can't take my life. I'm going to lay down this body as a sacrifice for humanity so that, that you might be rescued. But this is what he said. He said, get behind me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Right? So, I mean, are we susceptible to speaking lies to one another? Of, of not speaking the truth in love? Yes. And so we've got to take every thought captive. And we've got to use our fighting words. And let me tell you what those words are filled with. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These, this is, this is the word, this is, these are, but these are our fighting words. Jesus modeled this, not just here, but in every interaction he had. He spoke the truth. And realizing, knowing full well that it is powerful and effective, sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting right down to the thoughts and intentions of a heart. You, you notice how people would ask Jesus questions? He didn't even answer the question. He just gets right to their heart. And he speaks truth right into that. You know why? Because that's the fighting words. Because that's, that's how we win the fight. Now, I'm not talking about, I see people that, you know, they're always trying to, 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 to cultivate a, 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 a verbiage and a vocabulary that can kind of win the, the conversation. Of the, it's not a debate. God's word wins. Every time. Right? Are, are we speaking? And listen, let me say, it, it's not, like when, like when we look at 1 Samuel 17 next week, when, when, when David's making these statements, um, you're going down. I'm going to cut your head off. I mean, like, this is how this is going to go down. You've already lost. Like, I just love the confidence that he has in the Lord. And where's that all based in? The promises of God, the truth of God, the resume of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the might and the strength of God. It's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, that these things, and, and who, we're told that I'm, I'm going to send the spirit and he will lead you in all truth and remind you of everything that I've said. Why? Because that's where the power is. It's in his word. But it's not just in his word. It's in, it's in his word that is, that is coupled with faith and confidence and assurance. It's lived out. It's when his word is lived out. As, as, being, as being what it is, the word of God. Well, look at Psalms 119, 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like the, the, the word of God keeps us from what? And so can I ask you this morning, are you storing up God's word? Are you meditate on it as Psalms? We'll look at them as Psalms 1, 2, and 3 says, day and night. What, what, what is, what is, what's filling your mind? Is it stats? Is it song lyrics? Is it movie lines? Is it, is it just stinking thinking? What, it, 
like, are we, you know, Jesus said this. This is awesome. He says this in John 15, 3. He says, you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. It, it cleans us. We sang a song. We said, bring the fire, Lord. Bring the fire. Now, most of us sing that song with, because we want, we want God to, to ignite our hearts, right? To, to invigorate our life so that we might shine for his glory. But you know what happens before that with, with this, this consuming fire God of ours? Is he wants to purify our lives. He wants to burn away the, the impurities of our life. Bring those to the surface and then remind us of the cross that wiped them all away. So that he can sanctify us. And I remind us of that because it says your word is truth and I am sanctified by it. I'm made holy. I'm continued, continuing in, my, in the salvation that you're working out in me through your word. So what I'm telling you is, is that God's word saves us and it keeps saving us. It rescues us. It protects us. I, my burden is I believe there's a lot of people a lot of Christians, I watch, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, like, like there's a lot of Christians that, are, that aren't fighting with armor. Like they're, they're getting beat up, right? They, they're, they're, they're doing it in their own strength. They're, they're, not, they're not allowing the, the, the resources that we've been entrusted with to, to have their, their full expression. Like God protected us with, with this, with the armor, like salvation and truth and righteousness and readiness and the gospel and faith and, and God's word. So how many of you saw the Jumanji movie? More, not the second one, the, the, the original one with The Rock, didn't you know, um, Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, you know, saw that one. Okay, if, if not, I'm just going to give you the, the quick plot here. So um, these guys are, if you remember the old one with Robin Williams, um, like they find their little game console and they're like, what's this? And, and then all of a sudden they're, they're sucked into the game, right? So, and they're in, they're, they're in Saturday detention, and, but they end up in Jumanji, right? So this is kind of a game, uh, you know, scenario uh, in this, this rainforest. Um, but there's been a kid that's been in this game, right? Arguably the one of the characters from the previous, but he's been in this game for a very long time. And what they discover along the way is that they've got these three bar tattoos on their arm. And they're like, well, what's that? Well, one of them gets eaten by, I think, a hippopotamus or something. And, and all of a sudden, you know, one of them disappears. And they, so they, they come to realize, you know, like, that's our lives. Like, I've only got two lives left. Well, they, uh, along the way, they happen upon this guy that's been there forever and ever. And, uh, and he only has one bar. He's got one life left. And so, like, what is he doing? He's only got one life left. What's he doing? He's no longer in the fight to find the jewel, which is the point of the game, in order to get out of the game. Right? He's hiding. He's hiding because he needs to preserve his life because he's afraid of losing it. But what happens in the conversation between the others, some of them have three lives, some have two, they're not endless, but, but they're going, but we need you. You can't be hiding out here. You can't, you can't quit on us because your gifts matter to the, the success of the mission. You with me? 
right? And, and he's like, no, no, no. If I die one more time out here, I never get to go home. You with me? This is what they said. They said, look, I've got three lives. If anything starts to happen to you, I'll jump in front of you so you don't lose your life. Can I tell you that's exactly what Jesus did for us? And he did it in the ultimate way that we can never die again. It's like being Wolverine. Okay, it's, here's the deal. Like, we're, 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 we've been told now we have unlimited lives, right? In this, in this matrix called earthly living, but this is not our home. Now, let me tell you what that does. It liberates you to live for the glory of God no matter what the cost, because you can't die. Have you read John 11 recently? Jesus said, hey, Martha, let me remind you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? But then he says here, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if, if anyone believes in me, though he die, yet he shall. And if he lives until I come back, he shall never. Guys, you have, an, you have endless life. You have eternal life. But unless you believe that, you won't live on mission. You won't stay in the fight. And this whole COVID culture has got people going, oh, I, I got I to gotta preserve my... Look, it's going to hurt. There's going to be casualty. It's, it's a battle. Right? But, but if we stay in the fight... We are equipped for the fight. But if we, listen, it's our tendency. We did it in the garden. We, we tend to hide. We tend to flee. We tend to run. But look, guys, I mean, we've been plagued by this as a church recently. And I'm not sure we're, we're, we're walking in the armor. The, the, the gifts that, the, that we've been given, that Christ purchased. Like I was thinking through, trying to think through illustrations. And I was thinking, okay, it's like a, it's like being given a gym, gym membership and, and never going, no, no, it's not. It's like being, being, being given the gym, right? Like now you own the gym. No, no, well, I'm like, that's, that doesn't even cut it. Like, but Paul calls himself the master builder. Like that makes sense. It's like, it's like you've been given a construction company, right? And you've been given all the tools, like every possible tool you could need to build this, 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 this building that God is building, the foundation being Christ Jesus. And, but are we, are we utilizing the tools? Like, do, do you know what the helmet of salvation? Do you know, do you understand how salvation protects your mind? Your thinking? We talk about that. Do you know how like, how righteousness being a breastplate in the front and the back, by the way, that both the righteousness, righteousness imputed to us by faith and the righteousness we live out because we've been strengthened, we've been given righteousness to live out, like we're empowered for this. Do, do you know how that protects you? I mean, if you were going into to a fight, do you want to have these, do you want to have a sword, a helmet, a breastplate, a shield? How necessary are those? But how foolish is it to run into battle without acknowledging and utilizing these resources that have been purchased for you, given to you? 
And forgive me, but this is what I see. I see, I see people running, trying to protect their life. I see, I see people that, that when, when sickness and death comes, it's like, are, are we using our fighting words? Are we declaring the truth? Are we celebrating the saint that has just gone home? Like, and, and that we will see again that he's, they've experienced the, the, the taste of the glory divine and, and, and there's more to come. Like, are we, are we living the truth? Because, guys, otherwise, you're going to get discouraged and defeated in this life. Rather than, because I, I think Jesus said this. In John 10, 10, what did he say we have? It's, yeah, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. You know, might it be that we're going into life unprotected, not really acknowledging and utilizing the armor of God, and then we get mad at God like, why aren't you protecting me? Well, I gave you, and I'm with you. But are you standing in those truths, realizing the validity, the value, the power and the potential that they have for us as warriors? Man, we're told, do not get caught up in civilian affairs. We're soldiers. Are you in, please be honest with yourself, are you in the fight? And our battle's not against flesh and blood. The fight is not against the saint or the sinner. That's, the, the, the saint is our, is our family. That's where we sacrifice. The sinner, again, sacrificial love being demonstrated so that they might be saved. We're that instrument. That's not the fight. And if you're fighting there, you're missing the point. That's where we love. That's not where we fight. Where we fight is the cosmic powers. The enemy is the unseen enemy. And we have been given gifts to be victorious in a victory that has already been established. Do you believe that this morning? Because that's the truth. The Lord doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't help us to accomplish. Right? I, I, I want to I read. So in James chapter 4, in James chapter 4 it says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your own desires? NIV says, ESV says, passions that war within you? There's an enemy, and he, he might be me. Right? It, like, we're, it's saying, what James is telling us at the outset of this passage we're going to look at here in a moment, is that what's causing the quarrels and fights in your life among flesh and blood individuals is your own passions and desires. Have you ever thought for a moment that maybe when there's conflict relationally that maybe we need to take a hard look at our own motives, our own hearts? And he says that, you know, this is why you murder and fight and fuss. It's because you want and you don't get. You ask, but when you ask, you ask with poor motives. And then the, the verse, um, Mariah, I'm going to jump to James here. Um, then the verse says this in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil 
and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? It says it right here. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's the prerequisite. We submit ourselves to God, his word, his will. We resist the devil. And we can do that, by the way. Right? We're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he's always faithful to provide a way out because he's, he's good like that. Like all temptation is common to man. Everything that we face, it's common. Right? You're not the first one to go through this. Right? Jesus tasted it too, and he showed us how to get through it. And he says, God is faithful. He will always provide a way out. Well, so the question is, how do I resist the devil, and what is the way out? I'm going to tell you that it's found in the word of God. Use your fighting words. Not if, but when you face temptation, that's not from God. He tests, he never tempts, right? But when you face resistance, when you face discouragement, when you face doubt and fear, what do you do in those moments? Now, let's get honest for a second. You have developed tendencies when you face fear. What do you do? Most people fight, flight, or flee, or freeze, Right? I mean, that's usually like the, the de- that's but that's our human response. What we're called to do. Do you think David wasn't, didn't, didn't fight the emotion of fear standing before a nine foot six inch guy that, that, had, a, that had armor that weighed over 400, 340 pounds and a spear that, spearhead that weighed 15 pounds? Just the head of the spear. I mean, it's a daunting individual, Right? You, do you, think, you didn't think he had to fight his own fear, but what overcame his fear? What? Say it. What overcame his fear? Fear will always be overcome by faith. Right? And he, and he used his fighting words. Right? So he says, in order to overcome the enemy, the, the, our nature that we're called to, to, to deny, that, says, that means say no to. Then does your flesh often say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that? Like we're called to deny our flesh so that we can, so we can honor and submit to God, so we can do what he wants rather than what we want. So what are you doing? Are you doing what you want or are you doing what he wants? Because I promise you this, if you're doing what you want, you're, you're not winning the fight. <laughs> you're losing. And you think you're winning because you're getting what you want, but you're not. And it, it will, it, it's an endless pursuit of emptiness and conflict. It's a war. It, says, it literally says that in verse 1 and 2 of James 4. It says, there's a war going on here. And you know what we manifest out here? What's going on here? If there's peace here, we're, we become peacemakers. But if there's war, conflict going on here, man, we walk that war and conflict into every... Relationship and circumstance. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know that? And then we're told, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Then, then this whole conversation here in verses 9 and 10 is about repentance. Because what's going on is you're, you're, <laughs> you're trying to get your will done. And it's not working out so well because the person on the other side is trying to get their will done too. And it's causing conflict and murder. And like, that's what he says. That's where it is. Anger leads this way. And then this is the antidote. So submit yourself to God, resist the devil, 
draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then here it is. This, these are, this is basically like just helping us understand what repentance is. Cleanse your hands. Wash your hands. You sinner, purify your hearts. You double-minded. This, this double-minded thing was given to us in, in chapter 1. At the end of the piece, you know, in verse 9, he says, you're a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. You know why that person's double-minded? And what it's talking about, it's talking about having one foot in the world and one foot. You think you're in, but you're, you're not. You know, Revelation 3 says, God, he makes, he makes him sick. When we're hypocrites. And if you're double-minded, like you need to be what, what, what Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Do you know what that means? That word doesn't t- talk about like innocence it's talking about undivided heart for him pure i have one objective and it's him not double-minded guys do you want are you still a friend of the world because first john says that makes you an enemy of god you still wanting what this world is telling you is going to satisfy or have you come to believe that he is my satisfaction He's my hope. He's my everything. Because you can't, you'll love one and hate the other. You'll be, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Right? You, you, can't, you can't be double-minded. So we're told here to cleanse our hands. This is, a, this, is a, this is a posture of repentance, you sinners. You purify your hearts. He's talking to the saints here. You double-minded. Be wretched and Mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and let your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up or exalt you. Guys, sometimes the way that we win the war or the battle is by dying to our wants, our will, our way. Wanting him more than we want us. And not and 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 you know you're never going to get to a place where you can say, you know, I want to do for others what the, what I wish they would do. For, you're not going to get to a place where where you are like Jesus, where you're going to you're going to give your life so that others might might know the love of the Father. If it's if it's if it's all about your security and your comfort and your convenience, and man, that is the American culture, and we're steeped in it. We're surrounded by it. And it causes conflict in our own hearts. And we're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. Did Jesus run after the world to save it, but not to embrace its patterns or its principles? So if you look at Luke, Luke 4, verse 8, you know, over and over again, you know, it, it is written. It is written in verse 8, verse 10. Right? And, and then we see at the very end, even in verse 12, it, it is said. Matthew calls, doesn't even say it that way. Matthew says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Like Jesus goes right to his fighting words. And it's not, it's not confrontational. Because how powerful and effective is God's word? It's like, it's like you know, some guy comes to you. I think of Indiana Jones. You know, the guy's like, and he's like, you know, like, I mean, it's not even, it's not a fight. God's word wins every time, right? Like, this is what we have to understand. But look at the last verse, verse 13 
of Luke 4. It says, and he departed from him until an, an opportune time. And guys, what I want to say to us is we are guilty of often creating the opportune time by wanting our own way and will. We, when, we, when we create conflict, when we don't cleave, like one of the most ways that we, that we create opportune times for the enemy is when we are holding fast to ourselves rather than him. But, but here we see that Jesus was hungry. You ever been hungry, lonely, angry, or tired? I know I just described your life maybe, but look, like what, what I'm saying is, it's like, like those are opportune moments for the enemy to, to sift his deceptions through your heart and try to deceive and, and discourage you to get out of the fight. Does God want us in the fight? Hello? Right? I mean, you don't give people armor. You don't give your kids armor if you don't want them in the fight. Right? He wants us, he wants us to, but he wants us to fight well. He wants us to, to realize that we're fully equipped and he wants us to utilize the resources that have been given to us for the, for the purpose of victory. And victory is this, that others might come to know the love of the Father. So I, I want to finish our time by asking Jerry to come. Jerry is going through um, a fight of faith with his health. And this isn't uncommon to um, a lot of us. A lot of us have recently fought through grief and loss. But how do, we, how do we fight well in those moments? How do we use our fighting words so that we don't end up broken or discouraged or doing things and saying things we shouldn't do? How do we overcome in those moments? So I, I grabbed the overcomer and, uh, and uh, the one that's been fighting a good fight of faith to share his testimony with Jerry. Thank you. Appreciate you, buddy. First thing, I always want to get up here and as I look around, tell you how much I love you. And I can only do that because Christ first loved me. And if we're indwelt with the Spirit, we don't have to practice to love. I think it comes in here and it goes out there. And um, I was kind of late in life before I finally knew that. And I know that the love of Christ is real. And we're to go out there and just demonstrate it. We'll, we'll, people will be invited in to know more about Jesus if you display him. Um, Colin, we had a conversation on the phone last night and Colin said, uh, you know, don't be surprised when Satan comes against you because he doesn't want you to get up and talk. And uh, I'm, I'm physically exhausted today because I didn't sleep. Uh, hey, you know, Colin, you were right. He's a trier. And he kept, I, when I did sleep, I woke up and I just said, let me represent Jesus well and just honor and glory to God. And that's what I hope I can do. Um, last Monday, uh, they got all the testing together, and so they were going to make a diagnosis. And uh, I, find it, I found it kind of funny. I found the humor in the way he did it. Because my doctor had the uh, CAT scan, and he's looking at it, and he goes, I'm like, don't play poker. You know, you don't have a poker face. So, you know, and, and I kind of already knew anyway. But, um, man, it's not about me. Why would I think I can't get a disease, you know? I mean, nothing, there's every, nothing that's not common to man, right? And uh, 
I'm an overachiever. I don't get any kind of pedestrian disease. I get one when only 20,000 people a year get. And it's, it's not curable according to the doctors. But, but they're the doctors, and we knew who the great physician is. And, of course, I'm praying for a miracle because they do happen. But God's sovereign, and his, his will is going to be done, and I'm okay. But I'm still clothed in this flesh. I want to spend more time with my wife, my grandkids, and all of you people that have loved me. I've been here 15 years since this church started, maybe longer. And some of us have been together that long. And the Holy Spirit has just brought me along and taught me. He taught me how to write poetry. I don't even, write, I don't even read this stuff. But, but I wrote poems because the Spirit gave me the words. And I was just so, it's so good to share with you guys. So um, throughout this whole thing, it, it just has demonstrated the word of God is true. I haven't been angry. I haven't, uh, I haven't, you know, I, I have not said, oh, God, how could you give me this? You know, sometimes I think, you know, you've been in the gym all your life, you never smoked, and you get a lung disease. It's kind of ironic, but, you know, that's where I am. But uh, my faith is not in the doctors. My faith is in Jesus Christ. And I could not stand here in any righteousness of my own because I'm truly filthy rags. But I stand in here with the righteousness of God imputed to me. And I am just so grateful. And um, don't feel sorry for me and act differently towards me because I wouldn't want that. Just love me the way you always have. And I'm good, man. I am so good today. It's a diagnosis, but I feel more alive than I ever have. I don't know how to explain that because it's not me. I couldn't do that in me. God's had me all this time, and why would I be a fickle? Why would be, I, you know, praise him when things are going good, but not when things are going what the world would say is bad. His ways are not my ways, but I think, I know he's given me this so I can live well and suffer well for him, and the glory will go to him. So uh, I'm a little, I just didn't get any sleep. That's why I'm kind of rambling I guess but man I love you guys more than you can ever know and uh, all I can say is love works you're not going to invite anybody in to know more about Christ if you don't love them into it and so uh, I wanted to share what my six year old Callie said this was before I got diagnosed she said uh, Papa you're getting old like I didn't know right and she says well, you're probably going to die soon. A six-year-old, right? And she said, but don't you worry. You'll go to heaven and you'll live a thousand years. She had the right idea, just not the right years. But that came from a six-year-old. So it, it, it is great. Um, I had some other things to say, but uh, I, I just stand here believing that God works everything for the good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I don't know that purpose, but I do know it is to glorify him. All right, that's what I got. So, 
Job said this, though, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Right? Um, guys, there is, there is truth in Scripture. And Jerry, this is what I thought as you were sharing that. It's like, you, you ever come to a place where life, you know, you're, you're really being tested. And, um, and you're like, well, if I really believe this, I, I need to have this response. I, I, I need to live out this truth, like this, this should be how I, I, re- I relate to this moment. If I really believe what God's word says, then, and you know what I think happens in those moments that, that aren't done to us, but for us, as I look around the room and see many that know exactly what we're talking about here, is God's, God's word gets, gets pushed a little deeper and established a little bit more into the, to the, to the maturity of the root system of our lives. And guys, can I remind you of something? Because this week's focus on this armor of God is that the enemy, you know, this is what, this what, this is what uh, we're told Paul said. Paul said, um, I asked the Lord three times to remove from me this thorn in the flesh. But he said, because of surpassing revelations that were beyond my comprehension, um, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And he says, I asked, and this is what I returned, was returned to me, that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's response was, well, okay, then, then I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ may, my, Christ's power might rest on me. Let, me. let me ask you a question this morning, and I'd, I'd love dialogue with you about this. What do you think it means to boast in our weakness? At the same time, I think it's we're we're boasting in his sufficiency and his might. Can I can I just remind you of a couple things as we close? One, this is a tent. Don't forget that. Like this is a part of the world, the earth. This is do you you guys agree with me that once these these vessels no longer have uh, breath of life given to us as a grace, a gift from God, like what do they return to? Is that true? Is that exactly what happens? Right? So, but this isn't who we are. Right? This isn't who we are. Right? Like, so what we have, we're told in, in 2 Corinthians 5 that these are simply tents. They're, they're, they're temporary dwellings. But it's not you. It's not who you are. Right? So, so what happens to things in this world? They They decay. They decay. Outwardly, we were wasting away, right? 1 Corinthians 14 says, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. What are you focusing on? The renewal or the decay? And let me tell you what happens when we, as we get older and our bodies start to remind us of our age, you know, um, is that that can, be, that can be a place of discouragement, sadness. If we believe that this is who we are, not just our temporary dwelling. And do you know in 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that we get an eternal home that is not made with human hands? In fact, John 14 says, do not let your hearts be troubles. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my house, Jesus says, there's many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. You see what I'm saying? These are fighting words. Because you fate... Jerry, have you had to fight discouragement in this season when you hear these things? Right? Like, do we have to fight fear? 
doubt? I mean, like, but that's what God's word overcomes in those moments. Look, can I be honest with you? These bodies are going back in the ground. They are, right? Jesus even modeled that for us, right? But this is the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you will not die. Though you die, yet you shall live. And if you live, you shall, if you will continue to live. And he looks at Martha and he says, do you believe this? Because if that's your truth, then you can give your life because you can never lose your life. This body is not your life, beloved. It's not. It's just a tent. And in that same John 14, we're told you have. It doesn't say will have. Read it for yourself. You have an eternal dwelling in the heavens that is not made with human hands. Do you believe it? You see what I'm saying? These fighting words move us from fear, from doubt, from discouragement to hope and perseverance and joy and peace. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. It moves us to a posture of thanksgiving. Guys, can you testify to the fact that there have been moments in your life that the enemy intended for evil, right? And that God intended for good, right? And in that moment, the word of God spoke into that and you were your attitude, your, your posture, your, your feelings, your thoughts were even transformed. And because of that, you, your circumstances change because you change. And the catalyst is the powerful word of God. We're going to talk about this for the month. But please start using your fighting words. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have equipped us for the fight. Lord Jesus, we, 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 we're so thankful that you, are, you told us the truth that in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world and that we've been rescued from, from death and we've been given life and it's not fickle. It's permanent. It's, it's sustained. Help us to, to, to live your truth, to believe your truth so that our faith will literally set us free, will liberate us. The truth will set us free. Uh, we, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We ask that you would continue to strengthen us to stay in the fight, the good fight of faith, and, uh, and to not wrestle with flesh and blood, but help us to wrestle well and to trust you along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.